0: It is great to be here this morning with you. Um, Like Tim said, I'm Kevin. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Grace Point. It is a huge honor and pleasure to be able to work with the students here uh, in that capacity. I want to start with a question. What do you do to power through? What do you do when things are difficult, when things are hard, when it's not clear what the next step is forward? What do you do to power through? Now, maybe you've heard of the first female to swim across the English Channel. Uh, you might be familiar with that story. The channel is 20 miles, uh, about 21 miles long, one way. And to give perspective, an Ironman swim is 2.1 miles. So, we're talking hours and hours and hours in the channel in order to be able to complete this swim. Now, if you know her story, you'll know that she would later attempt to swim from Catalina Island to the California coast. So, again, another massive swim, but uh, about that same distance. She was prepared. She was trained. She was prepared. She had everything that she needed to complete the swim. But then on that fateful day, a fog rolled in the one thing that she didn't have control over. And suddenly, the coastline vanished. Her fixed point of reference was gone, and she couldn't see where she was going. She pressed on for a while, but eventually, she gave up. As she was climbing into the support boat, she was informed that she was less than a mile from the shore. Now, the reality is, some things change, but some things never do. The coastline didn't vanish, it didn't disappear. Florence Chadwick, American swimmer, just couldn't see it. She just couldn't see the detail of that coast, and as a result, she abandoned the swim. Now, there's been a lot of change over the past years. Some of it has been really good. I would argue that for some of us, business has been great. We have nothing to complain about, but there have been aspects of the last couple of years that have been really, really difficult, really hard. We've had to adapt. We've had to make decisions on the fly that we never thought we were gonna have to make. We had to try and navigate a fog as it settles in around us, and it's unclear what the next step is. It's been, at some points, disorienting, confusing, anxiety-producing, and maybe for some of us, it's created some panic. But when the fog rolls in, we might be tempted to give up on the shoreline. We might start to wonder, is it even there? Is it even possible to get there? But when things get unstable like this, when circumstances change and the fog makes it hard to see, we have to be reminded of what is and what will always be. When everything around us seems to be changing, what we reach for matters. Now, the big three are money, sex, and power. But I want to argue there's other things that we reach for. We could reach for our spouse, family, friends, influence, status, fashion, family heritage, political party, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and on and on and on. We grab for what's convenient, what's close, whatever we can see. But what if instead of just grabbing for what was close, we grabbed for what never changes? So what can we reach for that never changes? That always is. This morning we're going to review what's true and my hope is that it helps us all to power through and overcome whatever we're facing. We'll be in the letter Paul wrote to the first century church in Colossae. And if you're up for it, open to Colossians chapter 1 and we're going to start in verse 12. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. As you're turning there, quick preview. This letter is written from a place for a purpose. Place is really important because Paul is writing from a prison cell. His circumstances are really bleak, but this letter is full of thanksgiving. This is passionate, full thanks that Paul is expressing in this letter. And that should get our attention because the place that it's being written from doesn't seem to line up with the attitude and the emotion and the joyful thanks that the author is expressing. And the purpose is important, too. Because Paul isn't just writing to this church to say, hi, how's it going, just giving you an update on how it's been for me in prison. He has a really specific purpose because he has the sense that there's something creeping in to the belief that the colossians have held on to to the gospel that they were taught the gospel that they know already he has this concern that there's something creeping in and threatening the pure and simple gospel and in galatians paul echoes something similar as he wonders about those in the church of galatia He says, how are you falling away so quickly from what you learn, from what you know to be true? Different church, similar idea. You guys already were taught. You already know the gospel. You already know it in its purity, in its simplicity. When we reach for anything when we reach for anything but the pure and simple gospel, we don't ultimately reach for what we want. Now, let's read, this, let's read this passage here. This is Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins there is so much going on in this text and we could we could spend ages mining the depths of this but this morning i just want to look at five words they're underlined and bolded here qualified rescued transferred, redeemed, and forgiven. So brought us into, I'm using the word transferred for simplicity. But let's start with qualified. This is, a, this is a, one of those words that I think could use some explaining, but all of these words are fairly simple. All of these words, uh, I'm not going to insult your intelligence and say you don't understand what these words mean. But there's a difference between unqualified and disqualified. So unqualified would be like you going on WebMD, looking up uh, some of the symptoms of your kid's sickness, and then making a diagnosis as if you were a doctor and saying, hey, this is definitely what it is. This is definitely what you're suffering from. Trust me. Now, that's an unqualified assessment. You don't have the credentials of a doctor in that case. Or you could be disqualified. Disqualified means maybe you do have the credentials, maybe you have gone through all of that schooling. But there's something with your character or your conduct that has disqualified you from being able to make your diagnosis, from being able to practice your skill. The problem for us on a spiritual level is we're both. (laughs) We're unqualified and we're disqualified. We don't have the skill to save ourselves or do the ministry that we're called to. And we can't rescue ourselves. We're unqualified. And we don't have the sin-free, guilt-free record that we need to relate with a perfect God. We're disqualified. And listen to this. It's not as if our worst, like the worst stuff that we do, is considered as filthy rags to God. The prophet Isaiah says actually it's our best. The very best that we can bring is considered filthy rags. Now that should just cause you to pause, that should cause you to say, whoa. That is intense. Don't get mad at me, get mad at the prophet Isaiah. That's in Isaiah 64, verse 6. We are disqualified and unqualified until we're qualified in Christ. The next word is rescued. We need to be rescued, and like we just said, when it comes to our standing with God, self help doesn't help. When the lifeguard sees someone drowning in the water, they don't just uh, yell from the side of the the pool, hey, uh, you there, drowning person, why don't you just flap your arms a little bit more, uh, kick a little bit harder, then maybe you can save yourself. No, they don't do that. They don't waste time giving those instructions because they know that that person is going down. They jump in the water they reach for that person that's drowning. And then they do their job to rescue that person. This is what Jesus has done for us. He doesn't just stay on high and from a great distance call to us and say, hey, why don't you get out of that sin that you're in? Why don't you save yourself? Why don't you just try a little bit harder? No, he comes down. Into our space. He jumps into our mess. Jesus came into our space. He raided the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son. From darkness, he took us from stuck. Hopeless, defeated, indifferent. But not just from someplace, to someplace. Our third word is transferred. That is not our third word. There, that is our third word a move from one place to another it, assume, it assumes a point a to a point b i think about a transplant this could be a beautiful flower that's transplanted from a tiny little pot to a bigger pot so that it can grow and flourish this could be a transfer of funds this could be a transfer of a, of a title uh, so that a vehicle can transfer from one owner to another this could be a fish transferred from that kind of pet code display to that new home that you've just purchased with the scuba diver that bubbles and the, the multicolored pebbles on the ground and all of this stuff. It's a transfer. And on a spiritual level, that means when we believe in the pure and simple gospel, we're made righteous, transferred from one place To another in our spiritual case we're already separated from our true home and we're being transferred back this is our longing this is our hearts deepest longing it's our California coastline if you will we've been moved by Jesus from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Son. And now the next word is that we have is redeemed. This is, as we look at this word, the, the fourth word and the fifth word are going to interact with each other. So uh, redeemed and forgiven are going to help explain each other. So watch how that happens. But I'm going to say, is the transactional nature, the, the transactional exchange necessary for justice. So uh, slavery is often used by Paul as the image to represent this. I'm not going to say that Paul would have condoned slavery, but he typically uses this imagery because it fits the spiritual condition so well. Now, In this time, in Paul's day, people didn't necessarily want slaves. What they wanted was the payout from the kinsman-redeemer. Now, that's just a fancy way of saying a rich family member who could bail out that person and pay off whatever debt that they'd accrued. The slave may have been trying to pay off a debt that they were never going to pay off in a lifetime. And the kinsman-redeemer would come in and bail them out. With cash or equal payment. For us, we were never going to be able to pay our debt. We were never going to be able to do enough, be right enough, earn enough to pay off our sin. Jesus came in and paid for our lives with his. He bled so we wouldn't have to, so we could be set free, debt forgiven. And that's our last word. Our fifth and final word for this morning is forgiven. This is the relational side. So we had the transactional side. This is the relational side of God's grace and mercy. God choosing not to remember our sin. We have an omnipresent, uh, omniscient God, so I don't think that he can be forgetful. But I do think that he can choose not to remember our sin. That's a little bit different and he does that when we decide to put our faith and our belief in Jesus and him alone the only payment that will do that has already been done now this is the non-negotiable unchanging gospel truth in five words we have been qualified, rescued, transferred, redeemed, and forgiven. Jesus isn't simply a power that we rely on to get to where we're going. He is the destination. He is the shoreline that we're swimming for. He powers each stroke. But he is also the goal, the finish line that we want to reach. Jesus is the lifeguard that pulls our lifeless bodies out of the water and resuscitates us. Jesus is the air that fills our lungs and powers each stroke. Jesus is the place we are and the place we're headed. Everything hinges on relationship with him. For Paul and for us, Jesus is not just a prominent figure in history. He is preeminent, the greatest of all time. The gospel is not just One of many ways. The only way. And you just don't get to the opposite side. To the opposite shore any other way. So what should we do as a result of what's already been done? If this is what's already been done, what should we do as a result? In general, I think... We need to just learn the gospel. Learn what's true. Review what's true. Learn how to speak it. Give the reason for our hope. And to not teach justification as if it was sanctification. To not teach what Christ has already done as if it were something that we have to continue to do to earn it. And we need to learn how to walk it Our power to go through is based on and rooted in what's true. We walk, we reach, we live as a result of Jesus doing what only he can do in us as we are found in him. Specifically, I think we need to review, reorder, rejoice, and repeat. Review, that's what we've been doing this morning with these five words. We've been reviewing what's true and we need to do that because we're forgetful. But then we need to reorder, reorder what our lives are orbiting around. Make sure that we haven't placed something in the center that doesn't belong there, but only Jesus. And not that we just put Jesus at the top of our priority list, but that we let him run through each and every Single item on our list of priorities. And we need to rejoice. Look back at the beginning of our passage for today, verse 12. The very first thing that's said Paul is expressing thanks, overflowing thanks. When we receive what's true, our natural response should be overflowing thanksgiving. To rejoice in the subject of our orbit. And repeat, I think it takes time to reach where we want. And and salvation is free and immediate when we believe. But working out our salvation, that's a lifelong journey. I think that... If we don't reach for what's true, we won't be able to power through. We can't save ourselves. If we believe that we can self-save, we're just feeding self-righteousness. But if we believe there's no hope, then we feed ourselves with guilt and shame. That leads to self-defeatedness. The gospel finds itself right in the center of both of those extremes, both of those poles. We need Jesus on both counts, no matter what end of the spectrum we're on. If we reach for money, that's changeable. It can be taken in a blink. If we reach for the bottle, changeable. We self-destruct. If we reach for power, that's changeable. Empires come and go. Rome looked pretty p- permanent to Paul, I'm sure. But it didn't last If we reach for family, that's changeable. We rely on them to do something that only God can do, and we risk pulling them down with us. If we reach for ways to alleviate discomfort, numb pain, dismiss, or deny loss, eventually things break down and crumble. But then there's Jesus. Jesus the little Jewish rabbi from an obscure town with no status, no wealth, with unchangeable staying power, outlasting the Roman Empire, ancient Judaism, and everything and anything else people have come up with as a substitute. Now, eventually, Florence Chadwick made another attempt to swim from Catalina Island to the California coast. Again, she was physically prepared. She had all the training she needed. And lo and behold, again, a fog rolled in. What are the chances? Same exact circumstance, but a different result because this time she was ready. This time she had so ingrained in her mind what was true. The coastline, with all of its vivid detail, etched in her brain that it was if she could see it through the fog. She didn't give up. She relied on what was stable, what was true, and she made it to the coast. It was about a 13-hour effort What if we could face change like that? What if we could overcome temptation like that? What if we could get over ourselves enough to reach for real help and not just an imitation? I'll tell you, the California coastline is pretty stable, but it doesn't even come close to the unchangeable power and grace we find in Jesus. The whole thing hinges on Jesus. In reality, there would be nothing for us to reach for if Jesus hadn't reached towards us first. And he did far more than extend a hand from a distance. He jumped right into our space, right into our mess. He reached us so that we could reach God. Simple. So what do you do to power through? There's plenty to reach for. But what if you reached out and held on to what you know to be true, what you have already learned, what we've reviewed this morning, the pure and simple gospel. Imagine if you could reach out and hold on to what never changes to know and experience the powerful strength of being in him, in Jesus. I think that's what Paul was writing about, and it still resonates today. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your pure and simple gospel. God, thank you that you didn't just leave us to our own devices, to our own wisdom, to our own philosophies, to our own thinking, to reach for whatever seemed right and good at the moment, but God, that you came into our mess, you reached for us, and God, that you qualified us, you rescued us, you transferred us, you redeemed and you forgave us. And that's what we can hold on to. That's what we can rest in. That's what we can know to be true. God, thank you for making a way for us to come to you without shame and without guilt. Thank you that we can enter into your throne room and kneel at your feet and offer everything that's on our heart and mind to you. To lay it at your feet, to spread it out at your feet. Trusting in, relying on, knowing that your gospel is true, that it is steadfast, that it is stable, that it is unshakable. God, thank you for the ways that you show us your love and your mercy and grace every day. Lord, help us to extend that to the people that we interact with and in the situations that we find ourselves in. God, help us to be able to see enough, even when we're surrounded by fog, to know that you will be there on the other side. You will be there with us as we swim. You will be there with every stroke to power us God, do what only you can do and let us hold on to that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.